This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. Do you know that it is our kind of birthday today? This is our 365th show. Holy, that's so so cool. We haven't been doing it every single day because we've had the weekends off and sometimes we're on Monday, Wednesday and Friday and not every day, but it's a year's worth of shows. That's incredible, isn't it? And just a phenomenal knowledge bank and perspective. And yeah, I can't wait till we start writing the book that goes with this. (laughs) We should do that. Now you've finished your big book. Yeah, we should definitely do that. I've got time. Have you got time? I've got time because I don't have to get you through a doctorate anymore. I've got 14 other people, but (laughs) whatever. (laughs) That'll be easy. (laughs) And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce Sonia Wilson. Sonia is a French-American singer-songwriter musician. Um, She is from Paris, but we get the great pleasure of having her here in Aotearoa now, where she's been for the last six years. Sonia, welcome, and thank you very, very much for joining us today, and thanks for sharing your music with us. Kia ora, thanks so much for having me. I'm particularly honoured to be invited to share your birthday with you. <laughs> Kia ora, Sonia. Where are you, Sonia? I'm up in Mount Eden in Auckland. Now, I should say that you were in Dunedin, I think it was two years ago by my count, um, because we saw you at an extremely wet Forry Flat Folk Festival. Oh, wow. So you're a survivor, too. (laughs) In a tent that it was like completely pouring down. But it was the best night. And what I liked about it it was was that the show went on and it went on with some bands didn't have one of the people that they expected to be playing something. And but it still managed to come together. It was such an amazing night. It was pretty magical. You can't tell, but I'm smiling pretty big listening to you saying that. I love the Fairy Flat Folk Festival. It's a big, big part of my connection to New Zealand, actually, because that's where I met my uh, partner, Nigel Gavin, who I play with as a duo as well. So Dunedin has played a big role. So it's all the more fun to connect with you down there. So we've been asking people how their bubble lives have gone. And then we started asking people how their traffic light has gone. But asking people how their traffic light's going is a bit weird. So how's your bubble life and traffic light going? Yeah, the hybrid version. Um, Well, I had an interesting, uh, somewhat unique experience of this because I play, as well as being a singer and doing that side of music, I play in a a band called Gitbox Rebellion, which is, um, the the numbers vary a little bit. Currently, I think we're an eight-piece 
guitar instrumental ensemble um, led by my partner Nigel Gavin and we were on a national tour with a, a, a wonderful company called Arts on Tour that's based up in Christchurch and we were on a South Island tour at the time of the lockdown when we switched into the previous lockdown so it's been a, a bit of an adventurous um, most recent lockdown because we got stuck on Stewart Island <laughs> And so we were in a in a big house on Stewart Island wow. on the waterfront and couldn't actually uh, due to contract reasons, couldn't get off the island and ended up having a very beautiful, unexpected experience of the uh, the deep south of New Zealand. And then I ended up staying in the South Island for a good few months um, and just got back to Auckland before Christmas. So obviously, to answer that in a broader sense, um, as a musician, I think many other musicians will relate the uh, bubbles and traffic lights have been quite a, a challenge. Um, personally speaking, I feel I've been very fortunate because in between those challenges, I managed to slot in some travel and we managed to um, be down at Fari Flat for that performance. And just after the Fari Flat, um, you saw us at we actually got to record an album produced by our friend John Egonis, which is a, an album of French music. And so despite COVID, we've been um, having quite a flourishing time against all odds. Stuck on Stewart Island for the start of a lockdown. Sounds like a, a kind of idyllic place to be. It was quite... <laughs> I have to be uh, have to be honest on that front. It was kind of cold because it was winter, and um, I felt that as Aucklanders we had to uh, kind of prove we were good people before <laughs> being fully accepted. <laughs> but um, it warmed up in many ways quite rapidly, so that was nice. Were and you it's just so beautiful there? Were you there to play at the the hotel? Um, we were playing at the at the local hall. And we ended up playing a couple times as well um, for the children from the local school, which was really delightful. I really loved that. And we were actually, our concert on Stewart Island was the night of the lockdown on the 17th of August, I think it was. So we were at the at the pub um, for dinner before our show and Jacinda came on TV <laughs> and made the, uh, the faded announcement and there was quite a change in energy. Being locked down and, and in a big house in the middle of nowhere you couldn't go anywhere did did covid music happen it did um so there were six of us at this time on the tour because the the tour could only accommodate six players and one of the players had to head home for family reasons immediately and was able to fly out um, i think the next morning but because it was unclear whether the south island would reopen or not in the near future and we had agreed to play a number of south island shows the rest of us hunkered down to wait for more news and then the travel window expired <laughs> so we were um kind of on a forced musical uh, retreat and we started exploring how to play classical music one note at a time passing the note around the circle <laughs> and um explored some surf tunes that will be uh, shared soon as soon as we get to perform some concerts again. And yeah, there was quite a bit of new repertoire emerging. And I think I've heard that some of the Gitbox Rebellion members have written a number of new compositions inspired by that time. 
Well, it's good that it didn't go to waste. Let's take the first of your music choices. We asked you to play your own music. It's not just that you want, desperately wanted to have us play it. So, <laughs> um, so we're having Life is Wonderful. Tell us about this one. So this is the first serious um, songwriting I ever did. Um, these are not recent songs. This song, I think, is from 2006. Um, it was a song that I wrote for someone who was going through a very rough time. And it's a song that actually came back to me quite strongly during my last visit to Dunedin. Um, when I was walking around, it came, it came up on several occasions. And for some reason, I feel it's particularly relevant right now because a lot of people I know are going through pretty rough times. And it's a song that's about hope and, you know, resilience. So I felt like sharing it again. Don't 
Sonia, that, that last line, I hope this song will help you find your way to your own wings. As an educator, that really um, touches me because um, that's what an educator does. But where, what was the inspiration for that? Where, where does that beautiful creativity come from for you? I think it's a song that was um, born quite organically out of a moment of compassion because the friend that I was in touch with was really questioning um, why he was alive, basically, and going through quite a, a rough patch. And it came from a very innocent place. And it's it's funny that this song, written, I was quite young when I wrote it, um, has been a bit of an educator for me. <laughs> you know, it comes back up in certain moments of my life and um, reminds me to stay positive and keep trying and stay stay in, in, on the middle path. Do you think that we can teach that kind of thinking? And do, do you think your music is a way of being able to teach that kind of thinking? Um, I would hope that music can help people to feel more empowered to, to come up with their own messages. Um, I feel like that song came to me a bit as a gift. Um, I think music has an intrinsic ability to bring forward qualities in people that they might not know they have yet. And so a big part of the way I use my time up here in Auckland is to teach music. I'm not only a performer, but I'm a music teacher. So I have a number of ukulele groups that I lead and a lot of that teaching, um, though it's just you know um, labeled as a ukulele lesson, aspires beyond that to also um, help people build self-confidence, help people connect to other people and learn about each other's lives. And I think through that, life becomes more meaningful, both for me and for students. Yeah. That does not surprise me to hear that you're a teacher as well, because there was definitely such a strong sense of that right from the beginning of this corridor. What inspired you to teach? Um, actually, very young children uh, led to that outcome because <laughs> I was working at the time when I first moved to New Zealand. I was in a time of searching and trying to figure out what I would do here, what my role was here. And I had a dream of using music to promote more peace and harmony in, you know, in myself and also in my community and in society. But I wasn't quite sure how I would get there. I had vague ideas. Um, there were, however, quite concrete bills to be paid, so I needed to find some work, and I've, I've worked with children quite a bit in my life, so I decided as, a, as a, an introduction I would do some, some um, uh, what is it called, um, assistant teaching in daycares. And so I was working with, the, with quite young children and decided to start bringing in a ukulele, and as soon as I started playing ukulele in daycares, it was a bit like the Pied Piper. There were many children following me everywhere I went. And then some of the teachers wanted to learn how to play ukulele because they saw how much um, joy it brought to the children and how much enthusiasm it generated. And so they asked me to host some personal development sessions for the teachers, which I did. And then some of the parents who had heard me sing in the, you know, in the courtyard or in the classroom inquired about lessons for their spouse <laughs> and so on and so forth. And so I decided to start a really small 
uh, ukulele group, which was originally just to teach Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and some children's songs to parents of young children and teachers of early child care education. And then all sorts of people started showing up. I started teaching in a French cafe and it became quite a, a growing snowball movement. <laughs> So it, it snowballed from there, and I now have quite a few students. Where, where do you hope to go with that? Is it like you're just letting it organically unfold, or have you got a plan? A little bit of both, I would say. Um, I've learned from my own experience. I've been a, a traveler quite a bit in the past as well. I'm quite passionate about following my life wherever it wants to take me. Um, and I've been guided quite a bit in various ways. So there's an element of just being open and trying to remain connected to the present moment and in a state of listening. I've learned a lot about listening from my musical journey. Um, and then there's the vision, because it's good to have some direction. So I would hope to gradually find more and more direct ways to apply music towards healing intentions. Um, healing being for me the fact of connecting again connecting with the present moment and being able to be present and available for whatever is unfolding but also connecting with others and connecting others to each other and building community so i just i think i hope to continue the journey i'm on which is to keep teaching because i think the teaching is a really important aspect of the work and it also keeps me real and grounded and the performance aspects i enjoy um i enjoy but i enjoy them alongside the teaching i don't think i would enjoy only performing because i think there's an aspect of that in which you can get a little bit lost um so i hope to develop both strands in parallel i'm quite excited that i'm working right now on a rather large project which is both a book and an album um, so it's a book about the trying to integrate the last 10 years of my life. So the, the non-linear journey from Paris to New Zealand and how music taught me to listen. So that's, uh, that's kind of a paraphrasing of the title of it. And then um, it also includes my first French album, which was recorded in Dunedin. And that's called, it has a French name, the album part is called Ma Vie en Jeu. Good luck with the spelling, <laughs> which means which means both my life in play in a childlike play sense and my life at stake in a more dangerous sense. And that came from the 10 years I had before shifting into music in which I was exploring being a female actress. And I was um, quite interested in how there's a playful aspect to the um, the act of giving up your own identity and pretending to be someone else, but also a more dangerous, edgy aspect of not being sure you'll find your own skin again. So I think through both the theater and the music, there's always been a theme of trying to figure out who I am and why I'm here. And I think uh, a lot of people might relate to that. So kind of continuing on that journey of building myself as a person I want to be and trying to become a valuable um, yeah, a whole and valuable part of a community. In terms hmm. of the the music community, the community of musicians, you've had two years, two years, two years of ongoing disruptions. Is the community mm -hmm. hanging together or maybe it's brought the community together? 
Um, I think it's been a bit tough. I think there's been a sense of, of um, people getting quite discouraged. I, I'm definitely seeing that now in, in our close community. A lot of people are struggling with the limitations and I think mainly the cancellations. Um, I do think there's a strong sense of solidarity that's happening and that has been happening over the past few years. Um, it feels like there has been on the flip side of that an additional motivation of people to actually make their dreams come, come true. And I've seen a lot of people stop procrastinating on the biggest project they'd been, you know, leaving aside for later and actually bringing it to the table because there's this sense of maybe urgency that wouldn't have been there before, or also just having more time to be in a reflective space and think about what matters most. So I think there's been encouragement, at least within my circles, there's been a lot of encouragement to, to tackle the big projects. But then sometimes you're in the middle of that and it gets shut down and you know, there's, so it's a mix of motivation and frustration that I'm observing. I'm curious to see what will come of this chapter as it somehow, you know, we move on to the next chapter. The theme of our show is positive, but not deluded. Does that mm. ring bells as a person who is used to performing having that vision that you're talking about before but also there must be a, a attention to detail in terms of actually putting a thing on um i would hope i fit into the uh, positive but not diluted category <laughs> one can hope um i would say definitely in terms of project management this has been a time full of reality checks so it's probably constructive in the sense that it hasn't been a time when you can easily get away with ungrounded projects. <laughs> so if there were any um, loopholes that had been ignored, those have been brought to light by recent times. And for me, this has forced me to be more methodical and more disciplined and to persevere in you know, moving forward to try to bring something about. So I think that's been a positive for me. Um, I think it's possible to be positive without being I mean, without being completely delu deluded, <laughs> um, a little bit of delusion might be um, intrinsic to creativity. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, koutou I hope you're all having this day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proven to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's perfect, unique and here making things be Thank you. As we all know, we have been traversing many trials and tribulations over the last more than two years. I believe that this time has been very difficult for everybody. It's so important that we are compassionate, that we find the time and the space to allow those feelings to be, that we honour and acknowledge those feelings, that we talk about those feelings, 
and that we ask one another how we can be support as we work through and we find new ways of doing being seen feeling together something of course just fascinates me about us as a species is that just as a tree grows and each branch is the tree's decision making each new leaf opening each new twig each new stem is the tree choosing how to grow towards the light and of course underground each new root fiber stretching out perhaps peering with lovely mycorrhizal fungus a helping hand under the ground to communicate with other trees and plants around all of these things reflect our own consciousness and i'm so grateful more and more that the consciousness of all life is being recognized this is a wonderful homecoming for us all and it deepens that sense of connection that we can always tap into with all life in an infinite web alongside whom we are co-evolving so of course this acknowledgement of individual consciousness can be so helpful at times like this where we are experiencing a shared experience globally but also we are all experiencing constantly our own individual journey through reality and one of the wonderful ways we can find solace and peace humor joy pleasure playfulness understanding is through empathy is to attempt to understand and to experience the world as other life forms do and in talking with each other and being part of this wonderful show and thank you to Sam and the whole blown bubbles team and all of you for having me of course this encourages us to empathize because we're hearing each other's stories we're hearing how our brain has sent off different dendrons and axons and dendrites and everything to form these new neural pathways which we've had to we've had to rewire our brains extensively over the last two years and of course we've heard how our hearts have had to allow us to feel quite new emotion and at times be broken be exhausted and then open again to new love new passions so it's a fascinating time to be able to recognize our own internal universe but also that very exciting opportunity is there to understand respectfully the internal universe of others now i look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with sonia wilson Sonia, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? That's a big question. I think we've seen, from, on a musical perspective, I think we've seen a new degree of appreciation for local, for the local industry, for locally made music. I think it's been true in the arts world in general. And that's definitely something I hope I hope that appreciation of how much talent exists in New Zealand will continue to be appreciated. And I think actually a pandemic, I mean, the pandemic served a positive role in bringing light to the fact that there was so much talent here because 
there were so many international acts coming through before that this tended to be quite overshadowed. Um, there also seems to be more of an awareness of the value of supporting people's basic needs, you know, and the fact that if people's basic needs, whether it's artists or other people, if people's basic survival needs are covered, there'll be a, a, a natural tendency to want to give back and to create value and send that value out into society and that it's the hamster wheel is not necessarily needed. You know, this chasing after money to pay for your basic needs might be overrated, <laughs> that um, people in a state of well-being are more likely to contribute value to society than people in a state of desperate chasing after their basic needs. So I hope we might see an evolution towards that philosophy becoming more ingrained in how society works. I'm not sure how that will work out in in essence or in practical terms, but um, that's a personal hope. Um, also, just a stronger focus on well-being seems to have emerged in the importance of mental health. And I personally would really like to get more involved with using music and my own skills towards um, mental health projects. So, And it would be good to be doing that with a ukulele because it's better than a recorder, which was the previous attempt at, at <laughs> That's right. community music. <laughs> Do you think there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the, the bigger sorts of questions that we face? And I'm thinking of things like climate change or social justice. It brings to mind one aspect that I'm, I think is not resolved yet, but I'm observing quite keenly, which is the fact that I find it interesting. There've been articles coming out in the press about the fact the only way the pandemic can be fully resolved is to acknowledge the fact it needs to be resolved everywhere, including in the poorer countries, because of that truth that, um, if it isn't resolved in a poor country, there'll be new variants and then those variants make their way to the, the wealthier countries. So I find it quite fascinating that the pandemic is highlighting this um, notion that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link and that everyone needs to be on board if we want to move forward. I think that can be applied, as I see things, to all fields just growing that awareness that everyone matters and they're not, you know, this this hierarchy is a man-made, or, I mean, there are hierarchies in nature, but that this um, disregard for some human beings' needs is destructive to everyone. So I hope that we can learn from this pandemic and use that lesson to get out of this pandemic and then apply it. We had a conversation with friends this morning and one of them was quoting some recent statistic about the the percentage of people that had died in some country that had underlying conditions and so sort of like then putting a full stop and, and the rest of us all said yeah but those are the vulnerable people we're supposed to be looking after and anyone that's over 50 or so has probably got an underlying condition so that's like you and you and you it's not a thing to be right. but it really brought home to me that for most of us, we really sort of like absolutely saw that vulnerable, you know, looking after vulnerable people being the, the core of the why we have community and what community is about. But there were some people who just like 
didn't get that. That that was not in that space at all. It was a real eye opener for me. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit frightening. <laughs> the number of people that seem to be in that space is a bit frightening to me. Let's take the second of your music choices. This is you in a different space. Yes. I'm going to go pronouncing it Mahakali. Mm-hmm. Good. So this is from <laughs> Kathmandu. Tell me about this one. So I chose this song. Um, well, partly I chose this song because we have a whole album of French music coming out later this year, but it's currently being mixed. And I don't yet have permission from the producer to release those tracks. So um, I haven't been recording that much music in recent years, apart from this album we're about to release. So I had to uh, dig in my archives a little bit because I've been focusing mainly on live performance. But also my choice for this song was to share a little bit about the travel side of my journey. Um, I'm an absolute lover of international travel. So this COVID phase has been an interesting um, grounding for me, you know, being forced to be in one place and not go flying about, which is good for the climate change aspect of things. Um, and so there was a, a two-year quite intense um, round-the-world trip that I took, which was all about learning to um, listen more and also spending time with people from different um, backgrounds and cultural settings and learning how people go about living life. I was really interested in seeing the differences across different countries. And as I discovered different parts of a given country, for example, in India, you go from one region to another and you feel like you've completely changed countries and same in Africa. Um, so when I um, arrived in Nepal, I had never planned to come to Nepal. So that was part of the following signs. Um, I ended up spending six months in India and was invited to go on a Himalayan trek in Nepal and ended up um, catching pneumonia at high altitude. And this led to me starting to play the ukulele <laughs> as life goes. I had um, quite a severe case of pneumonia at high altitude and there was a doctor's station where they had some quite beat up guitars at the doctor's station and I had no more voice because I had lost my voice. And so I could play guitar, so picked up their guitars and they gave me food and medicine and I gave them some music. That was a, a nice exchange and it led to some other travelers who were passing by to uh, come knock on my door and hand me a ukulele and say, here, I think you need this more than me because <laughs> I didn't have an instrument with me in the hotel I was staying. And that's how I started playing the ukulele. Um, I've digressed a little bit, but uh, the, this... Um, stay with the doctors led to me meeting up with the doctors back in Kathmandu at the end. They were on a three-month doctor residency and I finished my trek, managed to survive it, which was good, and ended up getting introduced to a local band in a Nepali city called Pukhara, which is around a lake. And it's an incredible place, actually, if you ever get the chance to go there where almost everybody plays guitar. <laughs> this Nepalese city by a lake and with you know dozens and dozens of guitarists, maybe hundreds. And I got recruited by a Kathmandu band that was visiting to, to uh, join them and start a fusion band combining Nepalese music, classical Indian music, and a mix of Western cultures in musical form. And this gave birth to um, 
the Mahakali song, amongst others. I think we wrote a few songs together. There's also a video on YouTube if you look up Mahakali by Pranamundi. And it was a, a beautiful collaboration, and I wanted to uh, share it here in New Zealand.
agree you're talking about the importance of seeing how people go about living life in other places and how much we can learn from that we've just got to figure out how to do that in a way which is softer and is the pandemic an, an opportunity for us to be rethinking how we do that or are we just going to rush around like crazy things as soon as we're let off the leash hmm it's a it's a valid question it's a particularly confronting question for me um, in the context of my having chosen to live on the other side of the world from my family. So it's a, it's a question that's existing quite strongly in my mind and how do I reconcile my desire to be more ecological with a fairly natural need to be reunited with my family. So um, to be completely transparent, I have booked a flight to go back to France to visit my family um, at the end of May, which uh, I booked when I was in Dunedin a couple months back. So today's announcement was hopeful <laughs> for me. Um, personally speaking, I'm, I'm planning to see my family again, but also accounting for a new mode of life that would allow a larger number of years to go by in between my travels than I would have previously tended to apply. I was quite a, a passionate, you know, little uh, butterfly before <laughs> traveling around. It was just before the phase where um, I would say before the phase where being more ecological and considering the impact of a flight became more mainstream. I was a little bit naive on that front at the time I did. I had my traveling phase. Um, so I'm glad that there's a, a more mainstream awareness of, you know, how to how to take into consideration the cost of a luxury. Um, when I fly locally, I tend to buy the uh, carbon neutral points because as a musician, we do have to fly sometimes. I'd be interested to know, you know, the truth about how much of a difference that makes to buy those carbon neutral points. I do it just in case it actually helps. <laughs> but I'd be interested to know. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we're going to have to rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I would say probably getting to travel down to Dunedin and sing and play at the Fari Flat Folk Festival, which was the six-year anniversary celebration of um, Nigel and I meeting for the first time at the same festival, where I had been the first time as a um, just a, a punter. And um, yeah, it was a nice kind of bookmark to come back to the same place in a different role. And then the following week, record an album in a beautiful studio and carry that dream forward. That's been a really exciting chapter. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Um. Giving voice to the voiceless through music would be the one I aspire to. I keep thinking that eventually we're going to hear the same answer when we ask that question. And they keep coming up. Everyone comes up with something different. I love that one. Voice to the voiceless. The do book you sounds wonderful. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? In my own way, yes. Through music. So what motivates you? What, gets you, out, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I was just going to add, I'm learning as I go, so I hope to become an activist in other ways as time goes by. I'm interested in permaculture and other aspects that would be more directly linked to activism 
on a climate front, but I have been building things up one thing at a time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, all in due time. What motivates me to get out of bed? Um, so many things. <laughs> I think just wanting to make the world a happier place, mainly. Also, for because I've spent so much time working with children, wanting to ensure that the legacy we're leaving behind is one of joy and hope and positivity, while not without being deluded, you know, while learning to stay grounded and acknowledge the challenges that are existing. And so what challenge are you looking forward to or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or two? <laughs> Finishing the book. How's it going? That's a big one. Um, I've come to a recent realization. I tend to take on gigantic projects as opposed to just a big project. So where someone else might have decided to record an album, I've thrown myself into the task of recording an album, which will at the same time be a book and doing a national tour with that. <laughs> and in the book, I have a collaboration with 15 visual artists. So each song is illustrated by a different artist and they're all spread out around the globe. So if you think of time zones and communication, that's been quite a full on task wow. <laughs> coordinating with artists all around the globe as well. Um, so it's it's ticking along and it's going well, but I've still got some uh, some of the writing parts to do. I've been doing a lot of coordinating and bringing the different pieces of the mosaic together, but I look forward to getting to tie it together into one. That sounds so exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I think that. listening holds many keys. Listening to your show, but also listening in general and listening to, uh, for, for me, learning to listen to my body and to what the universe is communicating has been a very rich journey. Thank you for that. Mawira. Sonia, thank you for giving voice to the voiceless. Thank you for helping people find their way to their own wings and for teaching people the language of music, the, I think the only true real international language where no matter where you go, everyone understands it. Um, mm. It's a beautiful thing you do. And um, I'm really, I just think we're so incredibly lucky to have you here in Aotearoa. So welcome and please don't go. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. I hope to cross paths in Dunedin soon. I'll actually be in Dunedin probably um, on the 20th and 21st of March with one of the bands that I play with, which is called Chris Priestley and the Unsung Heroes. It's a show about New Zealand's history put into song and we'll be part of the, we'll be performing as part of the Heritage Festival in Dunedin for two nights. So I think the first one is at the Folk Club and the second one is at the, I believe it's called the Woman Pioneers Hall something like that yeah. hope to see you there thank you for that i shall look for that we're going out to marcus turner's the session one of the reasons for doing that is that maura hewton turner who sings along with marcus on the chocolate song on laid down recently got married congratulations maura and ricky 
In a cozy little corner up the back of an alley There's a pokey little pub that's called the Reagan of the Moon And I can't for the life of me remember its location But be certain not to miss it if you're looking for a tune I was there one night myself on a Monday or a Thursday With a head full of directions from a man I didn't know Who had said I might be fortunate enough to find a session So I bundled up me fiddled and I thought I'd have a go And I was there, sitting in the middle of the banjo And the bow running the bones of me fiddled And we played just like it was going out of fashion As we gave the tunes a thrashing with a passion at the session with the after pounding on the pavement for an hour and a quarter I eventually found the place that I was looking for I could tell it was the session by the way the place was rocking And the music you could hear at least a dozen blocks or more There was nobody objected when I asked if I could enter Though a fella knocked my hat off when I stood upon his toe And I saw a little gap just big enough to squeeze a bum in So I sat me on upon it and I rosened up me bow And I was there, sitting in the middle of the patio In the bow running the bones of me fiddle And we played just like it was going out of fashion As we gave the tune to thrashing with a passion at the session to the beatle they were singers and musicians from the nether end of everywhere With harps and hurdy-gurdies and a clatter of castanets An ethnomusicologist from London in the corner Keeping rhythm with the squeaking of his portable cassettes A choir of eighty a cappella in the ladies' lavatory A press gang of accordions all squeezed around the door And they even had a section in the basement for the barons You could tell when they were fashioned by the rumble through the floor And I was there, sitting in the middle of the banjo And the bow run and the bones would be fiddle And we played just like it was going out of fashion As we gave the tunes a thrashing with the passion at the session But the what a fabulous festivity, a feast of famous faces Anybody who was anybody showed the body there The Celtic literati from the Isle of Manta Britain We were lifting up their drinking arms and letting down their hair The whiskered balladeers and real recording superstars A pack of pickled pipers kept the dancers on their toes And I saw someone who looked a lot to me like Donald Lummy And another face I recognized but couldn't pick the nose And I was there, sitting in the middle of the banjo And the bow and the bones with me fiddle And we played just like it was going out of fashion As we gave the tunes a thrashing with the passion At the session to three, to three so with spirits elevated we ourselves inebriated as we fiddled and we tippled and we danced the night away till I finally departed with the publican's persuasion and a yawning at the dawning of the morning of the day with a throbbing in me throat and a numbness in me noddle from the bouncing of the bubbles on the bottom of me brain and I've often felt a craving for a spot of Celtic raving but I fancy I've forgotten how to find the place again and I was there sitting in the middle of the banjo and the bow run and the bones and me fiddled and we played just like it was going out of fashion as we gave the tunes a thrashing with the passion at the session to three
been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Sammy Wan and Sawyer's Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and we've been joined from Mount Eden in Auckland by Sonia Wilson. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.